Hello, everyone. Welcome to what we are calling the Crossover Across Time podcast. Uh, I'm your main host and uh, continual host, Karsten, and I'm joined today with uh, Wednesday's co-host. We'll have a rotating cast of uh, co-hosts. Today's co-host is my friend, Justin. Justin, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Karsten? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. This is the very first episode of this podcast and to be honest neither of us know exactly what we're doing <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're but, figuring this out <laughs> yeah was it warren buffett who says all it takes is enthusiasm to get something rolling so, something so like hopefully, that <laughs> hopefully we're enthusiastic enough to make this <laughs> we something hope so. that's not terrible to listen to yeah absolutely and we're just two two friends who love talking the nba we you know hopefully have an appreciation for not just the current game, but also a little the historic perspective. And that's kind of why we chose the name Crossover Across Time. Mostly we'll talk about the current events of the game, but we'll delve a little bit into uh, more of that long-term perspective, a little bit of history. Um, but today, of course, this is Wednesday, October 19th of 2022. Uh, yesterday was first day of the 2022-2023 NBA season. Uh, we had a couple of games that tipped us off there. So we'll go ahead and dive right into that. We'll talk game summaries. The first game on the slate was, uh, let's see, both games, I believe, were on TNT. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. Boston, yeah. Philly, and Golden State Lakers. Yeah, yeah. So first game was uh, the Philadelphia 76ers at the Boston Celtics. Uh, Boston came out on top in that game, 126 to 117. Um, and I caught a little bit of this game live. Uh, honestly, I watched most of it in a, uh, a game summary after the fact on the uh, on NBA's YouTube page. Um, but for what I saw, Philadelphia didn't look too bad, but Boston just had kind of more enthusiasm coming out. Uh, what are your thoughts, Justin, on this game? Um, something that really impressed me about this game and as a serious approach was the matchup between Joel Embiid and what's his name? Um, Grant Williams, is it? I think uh, so, right? The big fella from, yeah, from Boston. Okay. Al Horford. Al Horford, yeah. Yeah, I feel like they did a pretty good job of shutting him down. Um, yeah. Usually he's kind of an offensive monster, but based on the box score and from what I've seen and read on the internet, even with 26 points, he had a not super great game, only making nine shots. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Only nine of 18. 50% isn't terrible, but for a center, you might expect a little bit more. Um, I mean, something, 15. go ahead. Yes, yeah, sir. Oh, yeah. I was going to say something that's interesting and what I think is really undervalued in Al Horford is the fact that he can guard the perimeter very well. Yeah, for um, sure. It, it looks like Joel Embiid hit one three. And he took six of them. So mm -hmm. he's shooting at a 15% clip at that time. So, yeah, uh, what's the, Al Horford does a fantastic job of guarding the perimeter and he can guard the post too, which is going to be pretty critical, I think, for Boston late in the season. Yeah, for sure, especially when you have those uh, switching situations. And, and like you said, with Embiid, who's that real stretch – you know, guy likes to, to take it out to the perimeter. Horford's a perfect matchup because he can, he can go both, both sides. He can do a uh, perimeter game guardian side as well. And it's interesting because when 
Horford was in Boston for his first stint, uh, it was that same thing where Philly was on their, their initial rise and Horford was like the kryptonite, you know, he was the, the one who caused a lot of problems for Embiid, but yeah. I remember um, that too. He's, he seems like he's one of the few defenders in the NBA that can appropriately play Giannis, right? Yeah. Playing against a freak in, Bo- or in Milwaukee is, it's almost impossible to stop him, but it seems like there are maybe two or three guys in the league that can slow him some or affect his game in some way. Yeah. Al Horford is one of those guys. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and probably a lot of it comes from his experience. I mean, this is a guy who's been playing for, uh, probably 14 or 15 years at this point. And, you know, he has that veteran savvy and he's, he's a very intelligent player. So that's definitely a credit to him. Uh, the great thing for Philly fans, you can see that Harden had a very solid game. I mean, 64% from the floor, five of nine from three, 12 free throws made all of them um, along with seven assists, eight rebounds. And when you talk about the Harden from last year, the Philly fans were definitely disappointed with a lot of what they saw from Harden last year. It seemed like he maybe was a bit out of shape, a little bit, out, you know, past his prime. And, you know, it was uh, exciting to see that he, it seems like he put in the effort in the off season, as far as getting back into shape, really focusing on improving himself, getting back to where he was before. And I think this is a sign of encouragement for, for Philly fans and for the Sixers uh, team. I think so too. Um, I feel like he definitely put in some good work this off season. There were all those memes about James Harden being too fat and too slow and out mm. of his prime. But personally, I'm not a huge fan of James Harden. I think right. the, the way and the style in which he plays makes it difficult to build a team around him. And especially if there's a current existing roster of superstars, it's hard for him to fit there. So he's a terrific individual player. I just don't know how good of a teammate he is. It's a good question. And I mean, his teams have had success to an extent, Um, you know, of course with the Rockets when he was kind of in his prime years and they had Chris Paul there, um, they got pretty close to potentially even making it to a finals. Um, But it has definitely been a knock on his, uh, on his career and his style of play. Um, this is probably a good time for us to report our own potential personal biases. So we are both jazz fans, correct, Justin? <laughs> yeah, for the most part. Although, it, depending on how the season goes, I might have to switch teams and be a Suns fan or something. <laughs> oh, you, you can't you can't switch now, Justin. <laughs> we're, we're in it for the long haul. That's that's the problem with both of us being born and raised in Utah. It's, it's kind of like a a cult following of the jazz. If you don't like the jazz, then leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> <laughs> or at least, you know, even if they're not your favorite team, you got to still root for them in some way. And uh, it's going to be a, a, kind of a long year for us. We're not going to lie, but we can at least, you know, enjoy the rest of the league and some of these things. So hopefully we're not dismissing Harden simply because of some, some playoff defeats. But no, no, not at all. Like, like I said, I think he's a terrific individual player, right? He might go down as one of the top 10 scorers in history, right? Like, oh, I would say that's yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just not a personally huge fan of James Harden. He's a terrific player, though. Um, but something that is extremely impressive to me 
is the fact that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the Celtics combined for 70 points. Exactly. Those two are in their primes, right? They're both young players. They're both can play good defense. They're both super aggressive. Jason Tatum had a, it looks like he had a double double with boards and points. Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown played super efficient from the field. Yeah. 14 for 24. I think the Celtics are probably the best team in the East. They're definitely up there. It's they, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, they seems like they kick some trash. So I hope they stay good. I hope their team stays healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little more about Celtics, segue into that. And especially Tatum, Tatum and Brown. That's really where it all uh it starts and ends with this team. Those are the two that are going to drive their success. And the two that really drove the success of the team last year and being able to make it to the finals. Um like you said, combining for 70 points, that's phenomenal. I think I saw a stat that they're the first teammates to each score 35 in an opener or maybe in general since uh, Jerry West and Elgin Baylor, which wow. would have been, yeah, sometime in the 60s. So that's just phenomenal to be in, you know, that kind of a, a caliber of scorer. Um but of course, it's not just them. They've got the team around them. We've we've talked a bit about Horford and his uh, his defensive impact. You know, Smart Marcus Smart does his thing. The stats aren't always ultra impressive, but he's he's a hustle guy. I did tune when I tuned into this game. I saw that him and Embiid were going at it a little bit, which is to be expected, right? <laughs> That's just two high personality type of guys, you know. And both of them are loud, and both of them run their mouth a little bit, but. Yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. The, <laughs> the Celtics are so good. Like, yeah, I think they have four or five guys coming off the bench too that are just tough as nails and are willing to foul the crap out of the other team. It's um, they give me kind of bad boys Pistons vibes. They're just missing Ooh, a, a Dennis Rodman type. Although Grant Williams could fill that role, right? Or yeah, what's... or well, speaking of Rodman, you saw Blake Griffin out there for the Celtics, and he's <laughs> yeah. wearing he's wearing ninety one this season to to honor Dennis Rodman. So, <laughs> I I hope he has a good season. I I was a huge Blake fan, having him come out of college and mm. around the early twenty tens. I thought he was going to be incredible, and it just feels like his career tanked really fast. So, yeah, I always I think... root for him, even though it's hard too sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the injuries, of course, that's kind of where, you know, with a lot of these guys, you have to talk injuries, but, but I think even with all that, even though he's seen a drop in playing time and and efficiency, he can still be effective. I mean, you look at his stats, eight minutes, you know, doesn't really score much, but he grabs five boards in eight minutes. I mean, he's still got the athleticism. He's got good size. He can contribute even if it's, you know, just a rebounder and a body, you know, like he'll, he'll do well for this team, I think. Um, or, you know, whatever he needs them, to, whatever they need him to do. Um, and yeah, and they've he's, got, uh, he's proven in the past too, that he can play a role. Right. And yeah. I think Brad Stevens loves positional play. I think for he sure. loves guys that can fill roles and play roles extremely well. And so I think Blake Griffin is a great fit for the team just as an experienced veteran locker yeah. room guy. If you need him to hack the shiz out of somebody, he's more than willing to, right? He'll yeah, he'll be in. He, I think he's a very good fit for the Celtics right now too. Yeah, for sure. And uh, they've even got Brogdon coming off the bench. I mean, that was one of the big moves from the offseason, right? You know, Malcolm Brogdon coming in on on that trade, and they've got him off the bench with 
they had white and smart starting. I don't know if that's their long-term lineups that they want to run, but they've got that set right now. And so, I mean, yeah, they've got great depth and it kind of, when I was looking at this team in the off season, there was a lot of question marks, right? I mean, they make a trade and there was some rumblings of how Marcus smart would feel about that trade and people saying they need a ball handler. They need an actual point guard. And he was the point guard for a finals team. Right. So, so there was that whole conversation. And then this whole email Yudoka controversy with, he's not going to coach the team this year. So I, in my power rankings, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I had them ranked a little bit lower than you might have them, but this is an encouraging sign. And maybe if they can keep this up over the next you know few games, they might just move right back up that power rankings. Yeah, I could see them coming out on top of the East. Honestly, if things stay the same that they are now, I could see them taking the whole chip this next year. Yeah. I think Boston's been thirsty for a chip since 2008, right? So mm-hmm. they've it's been a 12-year drought, something like that, 14-year drought a long time to not win yeah definitely well and especially for a franchise that has you know that kind of a pedigree they want to keep that going and now that they're tied with the lakers you got to think that they hate that they want to be back on top (laughs) they want to have the one more championship you know yeah as horrible as it is to say i think bill russell is probably turning in his grave especially if the lakers (laughs) pick up another chip he's going to (laughs) be he's going to be looking down from the clouds and just ready to jump back in and start yeah. getting rebounds and blocking people. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel like saying too soon, but, but it is cool on that side note, of course, that the league is honoring uh, the great Bill Russell during the season. Every team will have the number six patch on their jerseys. They will have uh, the number six on a court. Of course, the number six uh, is being retired league wide. Those who are already wearing it like LeBron and Alex Crusoe, there's maybe a few other guys, they will get to keep wearing it, but everyone else, uh, it's retired numbers. So I think that's pretty cool to honor him in that way. Um, a pioneer, of course, on the court with success, you know, the winningest player, but also, you know, in the social rights sphere and everything he did there as well. So, so that will be good to see and have him honored in that way going forward to see with the season. Um, Let's go ahead and jump to the other game from yesterday. The Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers at the Golden State Warriors in San Francisco. And the Warriors came out on top in that one, 123 to 109. So opening night, both home teams won. And I'll just lead us off by saying this is just a case of the Warriors being the Warriors. I mean, I'm not sure what else we can really add to this conversation, right? I'd say the Lakers were being the Lakers, too. (laughs) (laughs) Steph Curry balled out. Clay Thompson balled out. Mm -hmm. LeBron had a pretty solid game. And this year, I think he's going to be pushing super hard to go after Kareem's record. But other than that, right, AD played all right. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, the Warriors are just incredible. They've got such a loaded team, even with all the drama between Jordan Poole and Draymond. Like, I – I think the Warriors are almost untouchable at the top of the league right now. They're crazy good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and they they're only getting better because you think about last year, they didn't have Wiseman at all. They had a rookie Kuminga who's now hopefully only going to get better. They add DiVincenzo and Jamichael Green, who aren't the hugest names, but they're going to help that depth in that rotation. Um and so they've, they've got great depth. They've got, you know, the 
maybe the most impactful player in the league today in Curry. You know, the way he plays is just remarkable. And he wasn't even ultra efficient. I mean, 45%, 30% from three. But the <laughs> Which way is, he... <laughs> it's so bad to say that that's like a bad game for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like 33 points and only hitting five threes. Pfft, terrible yeah. for him. <laughs> or four threes, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, he's just unreal. And, you know, looking at some of the the highlights again i saw most of this on a uh, you know game summary rewind with curry uh, of course everyone talks about the threes but especially his his cuts you know and a lot of that sets up the threes i mean there was maybe three or four plays in a row or two or three in a row where you know pool has it out on the wing or uh, clay has it on the wing and they he just does a back cut and it's that simple and they get it to him he's able to finish inside and he just knows how to move off the ball so well. And it sets up so much of what they do in that offense. I saw an estimated stat for Steph Curry the other day, and I could be completely wrong, but they said on average, Steph Curry runs two and a half miles per game on mm-hmm. defense. <laughs> so yeah. not even counting offense, Steph Curry is putting in almost three miles a game. So yeah. that's to me, he just never stops moving. He's such a pest on defense. He, he can finish at the rim. Mm. He passes extremely efficiency, efficiently. Every single player on the Warriors, it seems like, can give you 20 or 30 points. Like, just depends on the game. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. except for maybe, you know, like Draymond. But then <laughs> Draymond does, you know, all the other things. And, you know, I'm not a huge Draymond fan. I mean, he's okay. But I do kind of have an issue sometimes with, people discrediting how he plays just because of his, you know, Oh, triple single, you know, that's the, <laughs> everyone's <laughs> that's joke. <so> funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I think it's funny too, but also you're talking about like a guy who's, who goes beyond the stats, you know, he, he fits what the team does. He, he plays within that team structure and there's occasionally, you know, the outside of, you know, off the court issues. Of course we had the, the pool incident, um, you know, there's technicals and, and those types of things, but he's almost like a Rodman type, you know, but even Rodman would get respect for, you know, 20 rebounds or something, you know, he'd have those kind of stats. I'd Where, say the, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but no, you're good. probably in my opinion, the most Rodman like player since Rodman, in my opinion, is Draymond Green. I would agree like, with that. Yeah. If, if you want somebody to guard, the opposing team's best player and he shoots like he's wearing a backpack. He does. <laughs> and, and he has the exact same teeth as donkey from Shrek. Right. But to We're reaching him... <laughs> deep into our meme bag here for this. Exactly. But if you have a guy like that and he mm. can get 10 of any stat that you need him to get, right. You need him to get 10 points. That's going to be his ceiling, but he's going to get 10 points. You need him to get 10 rebounds to get 10 boards. You need, to have t- you need him to have 10 steals, he can get 10 steals, Yeah. right? You, you need him to kick Steven Adams in the nuts, he'll kick Steven Adams in the nuts, right? Like, he'll he'll do whatever you need him to do, and he's got just that little bit of a psychotic yeah. edge that makes him an entertaining player, to say the least. Yeah. Justin bringing the comedy, everybody. He's got us, <laughs> he's got us covered there. Um, what's, what's an NBA show without jokes? There's <laughs> no point. Might as well listen to like Max Kellerman or someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, but no, yeah, it's, it's a fair point. I mean, like for all the distractions, you know, quote unquote distractions, he can do all of the things on the court that you need him to outside of being a volume scorer, but you know, he can, he can hit the kind of shots when you need him to. I remember in the, you know, 2017, 2018, when they had, you know, Durant there, that kind of era and there would be those moments and maybe even a bit before that, you know, he is on the season. He's shooting like 27% from three or 30% from three, but then it's a key moment in the game and he's the open man and he's able to hit like two in a row. And suddenly, you know, they extend the lead, you know? So like he, he's able to score when he needs to kind of a thing. So, so that's, I think where we need to give Draymond's credit and some love, you know, um, Honestly, looking at the Lakers, from what I saw and looking at the score, you know, I can't, hopefully I'm not being uh, disingenuous or uh, misled here. It honestly seemed like the Lakers didn't play super terribly. I mean, like AD was maybe not ultra efficient, only six boards, but he's got four steals, a block. He seemed like he was kind of active. LeBron doing his thing with the scoring, some rebounds, some assists. Uh, Westbrook's efficiency wasn't bad. You know, you have the younger guys and the newer guys who are looks like they're still trying to find their fit. But overall, they didn't look terrible. They weren't that great. But um, I don't know. Your thoughts on the Lakers with this game and maybe even this season? Um, I listened to an interview with Russell Westbrook because obviously there's been all the drama about mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook being essentially toxic to a franchise, being unable to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he gave a fairly humble answer, which I feel like is sometimes not what he gives. Like sometimes he doesn't give the most humble responses, but this seemed like he's almost kind of determined that he's willing to fit a role with mm-hmm. the team. Right. And he knows that the role isn't the number one or even the number two guy. Yeah. And so I think if Russell Westbrook can just kind of slow his own mind and get on top of, you know, flagrant turnovers or things like that. Mm-hmm. I think with how poorly this last season went, and if he can play a role really well, the Lakers will have an excellent athletic distributor who can move the ball like crazy. He can finish, he can score. He'll be a great asset to work with LeBron and AD. If mm-hmm. AD can stay healthy, LeBron will just be consistent and Russ can play good. I think that big three is almost unbeatable. Yeah. Yeah, I think it can work. And a lot of it, of course, will come down to kind of the coaching fit around it. I mean, Darvin Ham seems like he's a solid coach. He's come up through the, uh, what, the Milwaukee system, kind of where he came up as an assistant and, um, you know, played, of course, in the league for a while. He, he won a championship as a player. He's, you know, a, a guy that I think could be a solid coach. But honestly, we know that with LeBron teams, sometimes – he he's kind of like a co-coach in a way you know like he runs the show on the floor a bit and coach kind of supports what goes on in some senses so I think the other thing that will be a big factor is and we I feel like we're a broken record on on this we talk about this with the Lakers uh, a lot the last few years but the shooting around those two or those three in this case with Westbrook now there because LeBron can hit threes and is maybe an average three-point shooter in terms of the percentage. Um, you know, AD is a decent stretch guy, 
maybe not so much recently. Westbrook, we know of his shooting struggles. So then it's like, do you have the shooting outside of that? And looking at the roster, that would be kind of the big concern for me going forward. I, I agree with that. Looking at the roster outside of those three, they have a couple of guys that feel like they always get a lot of hype and attention when they have a game where they play to their potential. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, Austin Reeves, right? They've been seeing all these highlights of him in the G League, kicking yeah. trash and averaging 30 points a game. But now he's, you know, trying to fill almost a six-man role and looks like he ended the game with three points. Mm-hmm. And he only shot the ball three times. Yeah. Not and great. so, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the Lakers guys, if they could play to the potential that they actually could play to, they could be really good. But mm-hmm. as far as it goes and as far as what I've seen, at least historically and through the last three years, it just seems like their bench is just full of a lot of dudes that can't play. Yeah. And, that might be a little bit controversial because, like I said, you always see things. It looks like Kendrick Nunn had a pretty all right game. Mm-hmm. But as far as that goes, I just – I think they're kind of full of duds. <laughs> <laughs> very very eloquently put. I think I can see that argument, and I think there's, you know, a lot of validity in that. Um, I think they're better off than they were last year in terms of, you know, the makeup of the roster. I don't think it's – incredibly deep either way but they're they do have some youth you know at least they have that right um they've got Toscano Anderson who could be you know a decent kind of bench guy um you know he had his his shining moments in in Golden State um you have and then yeah none I think is a big one because remember he was I think he was injured all of last year or recovering from an injury And so having him back, I mean, he had a solid year in Miami about a year or two ago. Maybe he's a guy, you're talking about that six-man role. Maybe he can kind of step in and and fill a little bit of that responsibility. But there are definitely some roster concerns uh, there. Anything else that we want to touch on with that game before we move on to our next uh, segment? Um, I don't think so. As far as that goes, I think it's kind of cool that Scottie Pippen Jr. is playing with LeBron. But it's kind of a cool other than note. that, yeah, Scotty Pippen Jr. is trash. So <laughs> let's move on from the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm the like calm, collected. Like, what would be the uh, analogy? I'd like say American... you've got the Ernie Johnson role, right? The Ernie I could Johnson. Be, I, could, I could be Charles Barkley and say the controversial things, and you <laughs> present I'm the Ernie Johnson being all <laughs> being all level-headed. <laughs> I think that's a fair point. EJ is the. Uh, He's, he's the role model, right? He's the one to aspire to. So, <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and move on. So that's our summaries from the last uh, night's games. We'll talk about, so again, it's Wednesday night. It's actually nine o'clock Wednesday night. Uh, most of the games for tonight are finished up or are finishing up. We'll talk about some of those in just a second, touch on them very briefly. But first, let's talk some kind of key news from around the league. Uh, the first thing we have some injuries to take note of. It looks like Darius Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers, their star point guard, did exit their game with an eye injury of some sort. Um, From what I saw, he did not return with the team during the second half. So I guess we'll keep an eye out for that. That would be a huge loss for them, uh, even if it's just a few weeks. He's their emerging star, as we said. Uh, He was an all-star last year, so that would be a big loss. Any comments on on that news for Garland? Um, I think that's pretty tough situation for him. 
I think he kind of stood up last season and filled the role that Colin Sexton mm-hmm. was supposed to play or could have played, but he just did it better. And so I think having Darius Garland match with Donovan Mitchell on the Cavs is a very good backcourt, but I hope it gets better. Like I said, I hope his eyes are right. So yeah. I don't really have much more to say about that other than that. Yeah, absolutely. And for sure, you know, even if we have our certain teams we root for, we always want uh, players to stay healthy and to, to, you know, keep doing their thing. That's what we'd love to see as NBA fans. Um, Zach Levine is another one to note. Looks like he has uh, uh, a knee injury. I'm not sure of the extent of that injury, but he did miss their uh, opener against the Heat. I believe it was in Miami. Um, so that's another uh, injury to kind of be aware of. I'm sure there was others across the league. Those were the two uh, I saw as far as some star players. Um, real quick, we'll jump to uh, the Hornets situation. Looks like James Bonite. He's their second year guard. Um, I want to say out of Kentucky. I'm not sure though. Um, James Bonite. Uh, what was the headline? Hornets. James Bonite unconscious, uh, holding gun before DUI arrest. Um, I'll read you real quick that first paragraph. Charlotte Hornets guard James Bonite was found intoxicated and unconscious and holding a gun with his vehicle in drive before he was arrested Sunday morning on DUI charges. Um, That is uh, according to uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg County Police. So um, I'm not sure if you're ultra familiar with Bone Knight. I don't think he got a lot of playing time last year, Um, but maybe we can talk a little bit about this situation in comparison with um, earlier situations during the summer with uh, Montrez Harrell and Miles Bridges. Of course, Bridges had, uh, what was it, a domestic abuse kind of a situation. And I forget what Harold's charge was, um, but some, you know, potential off court issues. And of course, Harold's with the Sixers. Now miles bridges. Uh, I think he resigned. He, he resigned with Charlotte. Right. So, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do you think there's any kind of story in that or, you know, the fact that it's three guys within that Charlotte Hornets kind of system, or is it more just kind of coincidence and having those players? Um, let me think for a second before I give you a solid answer. And so I'll kind of just stall for a minute with words. Um, so, so if you want to think about you, you think about it for a second, I'll talk on a non sequitur. You think I'll talk about the Warriors championship rings. Um, if you didn't get a chance to see these, I'll go ahead and pull up a picture so I can describe it for you. You keep thinking about the Hornets question and I'll, I'll talk about this. So Warriors championship rings, um, look pretty sweet i mean they're humongous it seems like every year the championship rings uh in all the sports keep getting bigger and bigger but in the, the for, for this ring it has a top with of course the warriors logo and the bridge and the player number but then you can turn it and that part with the number will slide i think like under where the bridge logo is and it shows you larry o- o'brien trophies so in steph curry's case his tro- his championship ring has four trophies behind the bridge logo. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing to see. Otherwise it's pretty, uh, pretty spectacular, pretty flipping expensive. It looks like, um, yeah, it seems like that's the new thing with championship rings the last couple of years, they have like an interactive element. Like, did you see for the NFL, the Los Angeles Rams, their championship rings? I didn't, I didn't see those now. So they have like, 
a top that you can pull off and you can see like the inside of their stadium because that's they played the Super Bowl in their home stadium and won it. And so you can see the stadium and it's like the ring is shaped like the stadium. It's pretty, pretty wild. That is pretty cool. It's definitely a unique way to approach a ring. For sure. And I'm excited to see where we get to in the next five years when you have fireworks shooting out of the ring. I think that'll be cool. (laughs) Yes. It'd be like in WWE when Kane shoots a fireball from his wrist. Yeah. (laughs) Have something like that. But eventually when Draymond Green is broke and homeless, he'll be able to auction those off and make a lot of money. Oh man. We got the Draymond hate going (laughs) on now. A lot of hot takes have been said tonight. Yeah, uh, but I have I have thought of a pretty fair response to your question about Charlotte. Okay. Um, I think in Charlotte, the culture of the organization and the basketball team doesn't help um, the players because it seems like there's such a high volume of players, at least who have played in Charlotte or who are from Charlotte, mm-hmm. that end up with criminal records and things like that. Okay. So I think the culture of the organization plays a role into that. Okay. Um, as, as far as that goes, like, you know, Charlotte is full of a lot of young kids too. And so I think it's difficult when you have a super young team like Charlotte to have these kids coming straight out of college, you know, feeling like their life has been made and they've, they've earned their way to, you know, almost a feeling of freedom that doesn't really exist because they've been given opportunity through their athletic ability. Okay. So I, I think somewhat, at least from an outside perspective, the, the Charlotte organization is to blame for, you know, the, the, the lack of responsibility given to the players. Okay. And that's, it's kind of a touchy topic probably, but yeah. Well, and again, we should probably be, you know, full disclaimer, of course we have, no way of knowing exactly as far as these cultures go we're just outside perspective fans you know kind of wild speculation not wild but hopefully a little bit more you know in in perspective but yeah I think there's some potential for that and and maybe youth the youth kind of part of it as far as some inexperienced players um but yeah I mean having three of those situations in in one summer I think at that point yeah it's probably not uh, coincidence kind of thing there's got to be maybe something uh, a little bit further you know to that kind of a story so okay yeah I think that's a fair point so let's go ahead and move on to uh, going back into games we'll talk about tonight's games uh, we'll touch on, touch on this very briefly because we'll also use uh, tomorrow's show to go more in depth as far as <clears throat> breaking down the games a little bit more in detail um, tomorrow will either be uh, hosted by just me, or I'll have another co-host, uh, and we will see what happens at that point. But for the games tonight, let's go ahead and pull up those scores and see what we're looking at. I'm sure that I think there was a ton of games. Looks like most of the other teams that aren't the four that played yesterday played. It looks like uh, Utah and Denver are still playing. They're finishing up their game. Utah's on top right now, one hundred three ninety four. That's I'm looking at that same game right now. Utah is balling out. That's surprising to see. I guess it's their home opener brand. It's basically a brand new team, right? I mean, that roster had so much turnover. Maybe they're trying to prove, hey, we're not going to be complete garbage this year like a lot of people think we are. So if they win their home opener, that'd be pretty cool. 
Um, looks like we've got uh, Dallas and Phoenix. Uh, they looks like they're in Phoenix and they're about to halftime. Dallas is up big, kind of a continuation of that playoff series from last year, potentially. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the West could come down to Phoenix and Dallas again. It However, definitely could. I think Phoenix is kind of overrated as well. So if we end up getting to talk about power rankings, I think I have Phoenix a lot lower than anybody else did in our, you know, our hosting group. Yeah. Yeah. And we will get to that uh, once we kind of run through these scores very briefly. Uh, Portland and Sacramento in Sacramento, uh, our close game towards the end of the second quarter. Uh, those are the games currently going on as of right now, about nine twelve. Uh, the other games that have finished up, Detroit came out on top against Orlando, 113 to 109, uh, close game in Detroit. Uh, Washington on the road in Indiana, they win 114 to 107. Uh, Atlanta hosting Houston, they win 117 to 107. Ooh, a big score here. New Orleans on the road in Brooklyn wins 130 to 108. That's a big win for them home or uh, an opening game on the road against the Brooklyn team. That's, that's exciting to see for that new Orleans organization. Uh, after that, we have Chicago on the road to Miami. They won 116 to 108. Uh, then we had uh, Toronto hosting Cleveland. They won narrowly 108 to 105. Memphis beat New York 115 to 112. Close game there. That was in Memphis. Minnesota won at home against the Thunder, 115-108. to 108. Charlotte, another kind of big score here, wins in San Antonio, 129-102. to 102. And that is the list of games from today. Again, a lot of games. Okay, so looking at those games from tonight's slate, uh, is there anything that jumps out as far as team scores, team performances, uh, or maybe individual uh, stat lines or performances that you'd want to talk about? Something that's kind of blowing my mind is the fact that Utah is killing Denver. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, one, it's now 111.98 looking at the score. That's, I can't believe that. It looks like Larry Markkinen is a great fit in Utah. And I'm excited for him because he had a lot of hype a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. he's kind of just flown under the radar, I feel like, for the last little while. But yeah, yeah. he's balling out tonight. So hopefully he has a good game. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's interesting that they had Vanderbilt listed as the center out of Markinen, Olenek and Vanderbilt. They have him as the center, but that's me, of course, traditional basketball lineup guy, you know, not, <laughs> not always with the new mode of, you know, a little more positionless basketball, but. Uh, I guess that's why we call this crossover throughout time. Is that what you're saying? Uh, across crossover time. across time. Yeah. <laughs> Probably would help if I knew the name of my own podcast, but yeah, <laughs> I think. Yeah, that traditional basketball knowledge is interesting. Yeah. I yeah. also think Zion Williamson had an incredible game against Brooklyn. Um, he ended the game with 25 points, I believe, or 28 points. Let me pull up the box score. Uh, yeah, yeah, 25. Yeah, he ended the game with 25 points, nine boards. Um, four, three assists, four steals. Four steals. Wow. I'm sure when we check the highlight reel tomorrow he's going to have some crazy monster dunk or something he'll shove someone out of the way and posterize him sure um yeah yeah, it looks like he had an awesome game and it's probably so good for him to come back after all this time and 
yeah, get back on the basketball court and start blowing people away again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great to see him back. I mean, he was he was an all star a couple of years ago, right? With um, in when the game was in Atlanta, I believe. Um, I think he was an all star that year. Um, was that this last year or the year before? I'm trying to remember. Um, he didn't play this whole last season. I don't think he played after like the all-star break of the season before that. So I think it was two seasons ago. Yeah. Is when I think... he, he had his first all-star season and then it was like February of that season that he was out and he's been out since then. Yeah, I think that's right. So I think it was two years ago that it was in, oh man, I just, I can't even remember anymore. It's all blending together. What was last year's all-star? Who knows? Um, yeah, he was an all-star at one point, I believe. So so that, that'll be good to see him hopefully get back to that form. Um, we could also touch on real quick uh, that Orlando-Detroit, um, looking at that score, Paolo Bancaro, uh, of course, the number one pick for Orlando, has a, a, an efficient game, 60%, uh, nine rebounds, and he scores 27 points. I mean, that's a heck of a debut for your your number one pick. You can't ask for much more than that, right? Yeah, he had 27 points, nine boards, and five assists. So mm-hmm. he looks like he's going to be pretty um, impactful for the Magic throughout the season. It's just too bad that the Magic suck. <laughs> too bad, absolutely. But but they also have uh, Jalen Suggs going into his second year. He scored 21 as well. Hopefully they can see a little more develop from, development from him. Uh, it seemed like last year he – didn't have a huge impact, maybe a little bit underwhelming as far as, you know, a fourth overall pick. Uh, and then Detroit, looking at their team, uh, Bogdanovich, the recent trade acquisition from Utah, uh, gives them 24. That's good for them to see. Uh, the backcourt tandem, Cunningham and Ivy, the two young guys, combined for uh, 37. So that's uh, pretty solid. And, of course, you'll expect them to have a little bit more um, – development as far as their efficiency and getting more comfortable with each other over time. Uh, let's see. And then Jalen Duran, I think this is a guy that is going to get slept on a lot. He's from what I've seen, I don't know much about him. I just saw him, you know, get drafted by the Pistons or he was drafted by what was it? Charlotte and then traded to the Pistons. And they had, it was the exchange for Mark Williams and then maybe a pick in there. Um, but I mean, he was, pretty efficient for his first game, 10 boards, 14 points, and three blocks. I think Jalen Duren is a guy you could be hearing about within the next couple months. Maybe he moves into their starting lineup. I like Isaiah Stewart, but Duren's got great size and looks like he's playing pretty well. So it's something like, to look out for. I like that he has that almost dangerous energy too, like Dennis Rodman or Dre. Yeah. Right? Isaiah Stewart is a guy that will not back down from any kind oh, of a sure. challenge. So I think that speaks highly of his character. He's a little bit cracked, but he had a really yeah. good game. I almost wonder it wouldn't work with today's uh, NBA. If you could have Duran and Stewart in like a front court, you know, they can't shoot. So again, <laughs> it, would, it wouldn't fly. But to have them in a front court with that kind of intensity and, and athleticism and physicality, to me, that would fit the Detroit brand so well. But again, you'll probably never see it. So. Uh, I, any- think, I think Detroit could end up actually being really good throughout the season, right? They, they have a young core of guards, mm-hmm. and all of those guys can score like crazy. 
They got Bogey who can shoot. Mm-hmm. They have um, Suggs. Jalen, no, Suggs played. Yeah, wait, I'm tripping. No, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me rephrase what I was going to say. You're uh, talking Jaden uh, Ivy. Yeah, Jayden Ivy and Ivy. Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, Ivy and Cunningham. Those guys together, they can ball like crazy. Yeah, um, I think I think Detroit could be a surprising team. They'll probably win a lot more than they did last season. Yeah, I think that's uh, easy to to make that claim that they'll they should win a lot more. Hopefully, um, of course, some of it will be you know making sure the coaching's right. Uh, it's still Dwayne Casey right there, right? He's still doing the the Pistons. I think so he's been doing it since forever, right? So I haven't yeah. heard any news about their coaching yeah, situation. Twenty nineteen. So I think it's still Casey. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he's been successful, so I think he can make it work and their roster is definitely much improved. So yeah, I think they could definitely do, I don't know if they're quite, you know, play in tournament, but maybe close, maybe they're sniffing it a little bit. Um, any other games we want to touch on before we move into, uh, our power rankings discussion? I don't think so. Nothing else has really stood out to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, Um, but. I'm curious real quick to just check. Uh, oh, Mark Williams didn't even play for the Hornets. That was the other guy when he got drafted. I mean, he's he had incredible size. I think he's like 7-1 with like a 7-8 wingspan or something like that, something crazy like that. I'm curious if he gets time, if he could be another guy. Of course, again, I'm showing my old-fashioned sensibilities. You got to have a center. You got to, you know, you really don't in today's NBA. But – Regardless, let's go ahead and, yeah, shift the topic to our power rankings. So this is something that we will update um, me as well as all of the, the co-hosts who will help out on different days. We will have our own power rankings. We'll try and adjust, uh, update these every week. Hopefully we don't fall behind on that. We all have our own lives and jobs and busy schedules, but we'll do our best. So we did some preseason power rankings. These are not at all affected by uh either last night's games or any of the games that happened tonight um but we'll start factoring those in for our week one power rankings the the end of week one power rankings but let's go ahead and walk through our power rankings Uh, i think the best way to do this maybe i can we, we can do like our top 10 real quick summarize give a brief description why we think we have them in our top 10 so like i can do mine first you give your top 10 going from like 10 to 1 and then we can talk to each other about any other questions we have. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay, um, great. So, so for me, starting my power rankings, just looking at that top 10, at the 10 spot, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. Okay, They're a team, of course, that made a huge leap last year. Um, I expect a lot of that to, to, to continue. They're probably you know top five or six in the West, certainly making the playoffs. Morant is electric. Um, you know, very similar to, to a Derrick Rose type. Uh, as long as he, he stays healthy, he's, you know, looks like he had a little bit of injury issues last year. But if he stays healthy, they've got a solid team around him. They should do just fine. Uh, number nine, I've got Dallas. Um, of course, Luke is going to drive that train. And he'll, even if the team isn't gelling that well, they'll still make the playoffs. But I think their team has the potential to do, you know, comparably to last year. They add Christian Wood in the offseason, who I think is an underrated uh, big. You know, he's got a little stretchability. He's got good size. So they add him with uh, 
Doncic, and so you kind of have Porzingis without as much of the injury concerns. I think they could be good. Number eight, I've got Philadelphia. Um, of course, we know that they've got plenty of talent. If they can have Harden and Embiid mesh at least decently, you know, at least some uh, sense of, uh, you know, compatibility, I guess, would be one word. As long as those two are at least working semi-well together, they've got some decent depth around them. I think that they could, they could make a run at things. Number seven, Denver. Okay. I could put Denver higher. It's, it'll be interesting to see with both Murray and Porter coming off of bigger injuries, seeing how they fare uh, coming back from those, how well the team meshes and uh, how Jokic can do facilitating for everyone. Number six, the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, some people might have them higher. I just need to have a little bit of time to see it kind of all work together. Of course, Kawhi missed all of last season, so they're getting him back. They've got Paul George. They add John Wall, who if he stays healthy, that could be a really exciting mix. Um, number five, Miami. Uh, again, you could put these, could put them higher. They're a team that was, you know, a Jimmy Butler jump shot away from the finals, right? I mean, they were, you know, Spolstra year in and year out has that team ready to be competitive. Butler, Jimmy, or sorry, Jimmy Jordan, uh, he, <laughs> he plays his role. You know, he's, he's one of the more underrated guys because he's an all-around type guy. Uh, I think they'll be really good. Number four, I have Boston. You know, I, again, I had questions as far as the coaching situation and some of the chemistry type questions. Um, so they're four instead of maybe three or two, but I think that's a fair spot. And if they keep playing the way they did tonight or sorry, uh, last night, they could certainly move up. Number three, Phoenix. I almost felt I could have put them lower. Cause again, like you said, there's maybe some concerns with them being a little overrated. Of course, Chris Paul's getting older. Will he still be as effective? You know, how does Aiton respond after the interesting summer he had? Um, so those are some of the question marks. So then my one, two, this is kind of my early pick. I guess if you had to pick who I think would likely to be, in, be how likely these teams would be to be in the finals. Number two, I have Milwaukee. Um, you know, I feel good about Giannis as far as his ability to do well in the postseason. Um, I mean, they took the Celtics to seven games. I think if they win that series, they have a good chance against Miami. There's any, any possibility that they played Golden State in that finals. Uh, and I think their depth is a little bit underrated. They add Ingles, they keep, you know, Connaughton and Allen. I think they've got a, a solid team again, and I think they'll be in the running. And of course, number one, Golden State. You know, it's hard to, to argue too much different from that. Um, probably not too much more I can say about it. Hopefully that didn't, didn't take too much time for, so you can now kind of get into your uh, top 10 and we'll hear what you think. Yeah. My top 10 is very similar to yours um, with a few exceptions. Uh, at number 10, like you, I've got Memphis. I think Ja Morant could blow us all away and be the MVP of this season. I think this mm -hmm. is going to be his year if he can stay healthy. Right? I think he's probably the most Derrick Rose-like player we've seen since Derrick Rose. Mm -hmm. um, and I would compare him injury-wise to someone like Tracy McGrady or Grant Hill where he just has so much potential and so much talent. And if he can stay healthy and light on his feet, the Grizzlies should be pretty good. Mm -hmm. At nine, I've got the 76ers, which is one lower than you have them. 
Um, I, I don't believe too much in James Harden. I think Joel Embiid also is an MVP candidate again. Mm. I think they could go far in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know if they're going to be able to make it to the championship, though, because they're Philly. Mm. Um, at number eight, I've got Brooklyn. Um, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I think if Brooklyn can figure out chemistry issues and if they're willing to be humble and play well as a team, I think Brooklyn could be one of the best teams in the league. Um, mm. They always theoretically like on paper they should be incredible and they should be number one but Mm. they just can't ever do it right they have people that can't work together and they're also a cursed organization they've never been able to win anything important right number seven i've got the clippers um, which is also one spot lower than you have them i don't really see them being much better than they have been in the past. Although with Kawhi and Paul George, they could be dangerous. Um, John Wall is also an interesting pickup there because John Wall, I don't think has played in like four or five years. Right. So Mm. if he can ball out and he can be as good as people expect him to be, the Clippers could be better or worse than what I have them now. Um, And number six, I have the Mavericks. The Mavericks really impressed me at the end of last season with how they dismantled the Suns. Um, and part of why I think I rated the Suns so low, I have them at 12 or 13, somewhere down there. Actually, that's a lie. I have them at number 19. So maybe I, <laughs> I dropped them a little bit too low. Um, 19? Yeah, I have them at 19. So <laughs> the bottom half of the league. But the reason I rank them so lowly is because of how quickly they fell apart. I think Devin Booker is not mentally f- strong enough to carry Ooh. a team through the entirety of a playoff We're getting series. to the hot takes here. That might be the hottest take that we've said this entire <laughs> night, but I think, I think Chris Paul has passed his time. I think DeAndre Ayton suffers from not enough touches because of Devin Booker and because of Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that team is as good as how they should be or how they look. Okay. All right. So, so let's see, you were at Dallas, right? You're talking about. Yeah. As, as far as that goes, Luca is super impressive to me. Mm. Um, I really like it when a foreign player can come to the U S and bring that kind of foreign flashy style and still do well. Mm. Uh, I, I hope that Luca stays good. I don't think he's good enough to be the MVP, but I know that he can be a solid top mm. five to 10 player. Um, at number five, I've got the, the nuggets. Um, and after tonight's game, I don't know if they're going to stay there. But I really like Jokic. I think he's a baller. I think Michael Porter Jr. is really good. Um, and if they can get on top of it and stay on top of it, and if Jamal Murray will come back and play as well as he ought to, then they could be dangerous too. They could make it very far in the West. Number four, I have the Celtics, same as you. We talked earlier about how good the Celtics are. I just think they have a lot of depth. They play very well defensively. I think they could be the best defensive team in the league. Mm. I think very highly of the Celtics. Number three, I have the Heat. Um, heat above the, the Celtics, interesting. I have the Heat above the Celtics because I think with the errand Jimmy Butler shot out of the question, right, mm. I think the Heat could have played better in the finals against the Warriors than the Celtics did. Okay, That might be a hot take too, but I think Jimmy Butler and Bam are such a good combination. The Heat mm. bench is super deep. They have a lot of young kids that can score like crazy and 
I, I don't know. I just like how the Heat look this upcoming season. So I hope they play really well. They're probably going to slide down the list a little bit too. Um, and number two and number one, I've got the same as you. I've got the Bucks and then the Warriors. The Bucks, I think adding some three-point shooting has always been their crutch. And now they've got some younger, or I guess some old guys that can shoot, right? They picked up mm-hmm. Joe Ingles. They got um, – Giannis, obviously, Chris Middleton, if they can stay together and they can stay yeah, you know, well as teammates, I think they come out of the East on top. Mm. And obviously at number one, the best team in the league, the Golden State Warriors. Um, they have the greatest shooter of all time. They've got his splash bro. They've got young guys that can put up 20, 30 points, and it's not a surprise. Mm. They've got Wiseman coming back. They've got Draymond playing good defense. I think the Warriors are easily the best in the NBA as of right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think, well, of course I agree with that. I think it's a, you know, hard to argue with that. Uh, Touching on that Milwaukee point. Yeah. You know, we, we forget that Chris Middleton was gone during the the playoffs and, and especially that series with Boston. If Middleton is there, you know, I would think it's hard to say for sure, but there's a pretty good chance Milwaukee wins that series against Boston they go to the conference finals against Miami and then who knows what from there. So I think that's a, you know, one of the things we forget about Milwaukee and if they can, you know, you have Middleton and Giannis for, you know, the whole season, you're looking at title contention again. So I think that's, that's a good spot. Let's talk about some of the differences we've mentioned a little bit briefly. So yeah, I have Suns third, you have Suns 19th. And I imagine you'll probably end up moving them up at some point, right? <laughs> Maybe I'll move them down. Just depends on how they play. <laughs> no, okay. I, like I said, I, I remember seeing that series and I'm somewhat of a Suns fan. And so I was really excited to see the Suns get to clash with the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. And I was, I was 100% in on the Suns, right? They were up 3-1. Um, Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and all their young core had been balling out. Cameron Payne had been playing really well. And then it was just like they completely turned off their gears and they just quit. Like they, mm. they thought they were ahead and they just really couldn't hold on to the momentum that they had. Luka Doncic, obviously, he, he played a key role in dismantling the Suns. But I don't think you can blame the entirety of that on him. I think Jalen Brunson played excellent for the Mavericks and mm. now he's on the Knicks, right? So. Yeah. I just I think the Mavericks just did a really good job of just playing their game and Phoenix got overconfident and mental issues I think are what destroy them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um okay, so that's Suns. What other kind of discrepancies do we have? You have Indiana 11th. <laughs> I have I, do. I have Indiana 26th. <laughs> what is this Give me the argument for Indiana at 11 in your power rankings. Um, I have Indiana at number 11 in my power rankings, probably aridly. However, oh, okay. I, really <laughs> like, I really like some of the players that they have. And I might be partial to Indiana because I just lived there for two years. Right. right. I live like <clears throat> six blocks away from the stadium. Um, but here's a few reasons why I think Indiana is good. I think Miles Turner is probably the most underrated center in the league. Okay. Right? Every year he's top five in boards. He's top 20 in scoring, right? Miles Turner's a baller, and I think he's slept on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Tyrese Halliburton coming from the Kings, right? He's coming from the Kings. I think so. Yeah. He's a young kid who seems like he's really loyal to a franchise. I think he can ball out. He's one of the guys that can give you either eight points or he's going to get 35. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also got Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald is a streaky shooter. I think mm-hmm. Buddy can, he's the same way, right? He'll give you eight points or he'll give you 40. And if he can play well, the Pacers will win. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell kind of showed out last year a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've been a fan of him. I think he played at UCLA a few years ago. I'm not exactly sure. You might be able to fact check me on that one. But I I like the way that he plays the game. I think he's really smart with the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's my argument why I think Indiana is good. They just lost to Washington today. So I don't think they're going to be that good. They'll probably okay. drop significantly down the list. But Okay, but like you said, it was maybe potentially an error that you had them quite that high. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I, I misplaced them most definitely. Gotcha. Okay. No, that's fair. Um, so looking at TJ McConnell, uh, looks like Arizona, but Arizona. Know. Okay. Yeah. I could be thinking of, uh, I don't know. TJ McConnell, I think he's a good player. Yeah. No, I mean, a couple of years ago, he was, uh, I think top five or 10 in the league in steals. So he definitely has, uh, he's not a, you know, he doesn't do a ton outside of that. I mean, he's a fine player. I think that's a nice little wrinkle that he adds as far as that kind of ball hawk ability. Um, and then you mentioned Miles Turner, uh, of course, the boards and the scoring, but we also shouldn't forget he's been top five or 10 in blocks the last few years. And he might have even led the league in blocks uh, one year, I believe. So I definitely think he's underrated. I would agree with that. And I think there maybe is an argument where you could put them above where I have them at 26. Um I just have him at 26. You know, I understand the young talent there and I respect that, but I also have questions about their coaching and maybe it's my um, genuine lack of knowledge, but maybe you can tell me who coaches the Indiana Pacers. (laughs) That is a very good question. Um, It's Rick Carlisle, isn't it? Oh, it is Rick Carlisle. (laughs) So, Oh, I forgot. (laughs) I, that's just a, I don't know. Let me look it up to make sure. Is it? No, Rick yeah, it, it is Rick Carlisle. See that? I feel bad now because, of course, <laughs> Carlisle's had great success. But it's like, you know, you wouldn't know it from last year. I mean, 25, 57. And again, I know that there's some talent, you know, like they're still trying to they had some moves they made. They have young guys who are still trying to develop. Like I get that side of it. But I don't know. Ever since uh, who was there? it was McMillan was the last coach they had that was, you know, when their team was successful, you know, McMillan. And then before that it was Vogel, but since then they had, I haven't felt that great about their coaching. You know, this might be me talking kind of out of my butt here, but that would be my concern for the Pacers as far as uh, their team performance. Um, Looking at some other rankings, I I have one that's maybe a controversial take. I have the Brooklyn Nets at 14. You had them at eight. Um, This is one of those cases where, and we kind of agreed on this with the Clippers as far as they're they're semi-high, but they're not ultra-high on our rankings. And I think it's especially the case for me with Brooklyn. Like on paper, you talk about just the names and the talent. And it's like, they should be really good. Right. But especially with Brooklyn, the way you feel about, um, 
who was it you were talking about, like a Harden. Um, I extra feel that about like Ben Simmons. And I'm sure a lot of people agree with me on that. But he's just a guy who has been, you know, like the whole last year, that odyssey about, you know, he's had injuries, he's had personal issues ever since that, you know, one play that everyone talks about in the, the Atlanta series, right? <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, you look at his stat line from tonight. I get that he's not a scorer and he doesn't look to score, but he shoots two of three from the floor, no threes, misses both free throws, four points, five boards, five assists. You know, I 100% respect the fact that he's a defensive guy who's going to distribute the ball. But in the NBA, you have to add some scoring to that. You just have to, you know, and he doesn't have any scoring, really. I mean, he'll he'll dunk it. But now it seems like he's hesitant at the free throw line. He's definitely still not confident as a shooter. And it, it hurts the spacing and it's less scoring that you get in your lineup, you know. And of course, they've got Kyrie and they've got Durant to provide the scoring. But I mean, even Kyrie wasn't great. Six of 19, 31%. He missed all of six of his three-point attempts. So I just have some concerns there, as well as their depth. I love Patty Mills coming off the bench. I think he's great. And I like the addition of, you know, I think Marquise Morris is a fine addition. TJ Warren, once he gets healthy, he'll be great in their lineup. Royce, of course, I miss him on the Jazz. I, I think he's got some nice things he does. But outside of that, they've got these names that are just kind of a wash, you know. Cam Thomas is kind of sneaky. He's got some potential. But otherwise, their depth, I'm not a big fan of. And so I think, you know, there's some nice names in here, but I don't know how that works as like a full team, and especially with Simmons as a big question mark for me. I agree. I Can I break into a little story? Go for it. So my neighbors back when I lived in well, I guess I didn't ever live there. My cousins live in Parowan and we would go to their house and play basketball and they had like a sport court, mm-hmm. right? With a really good breakaway rim. And we'd lower that sucker to eight and a half feet and we would play out there all the time, right? And we'd just jam it on each other and we would talk smack and mm-hmm. we pretend like we were in the NBA, whatever. Um, but my younger brother, he's not terrific at basketball. And we would call him the black hole because he would just step back and try to bomb threes and he Mm -hmm. would drive and would never pass or anything like that. And he didn't really care to play defense. And that is the exact same way I would describe the Brooklyn Nets, right? They're the black hole. They've got a lot of players, right? (laughs) That can absolutely ball out. They'll cash threes, they'll dunk on your head. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, they don't play winning basketball. Yeah. They have a lot of potential and on paper, they should be incredible. I think Ben Simmons is one of the douchiest players in the league. I saw, I got to see him play when he was at a high school tournament, actually. But yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Ben Simmons. Um, not a huge fan of Kyrie. I think Kyrie hurt the Celtics when he was with them. I think he, after he fell out of the spotlight in Cleveland, I think he's just tanked. So not a huge fan of Kyrie. KD used to be my favorite player ever until he left Oklahoma then I have kind of stopped caring for him, but I understand that he's incredible still. So yeah, I hope, I hope he does good and doesn't get injured, but I hope that the Brooklyn Nets suck because I don't expect very much from him. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. And it's funny because, you know, both Kyrie and KD have been part of championship teams, of course, 
but now that they're in Brooklyn, I mean, maybe it is, you know, a culture thing. Again, it's hard to say anything like that, but yeah, that whole team dynamic, it just hasn't been that same kind of a, a fit. It hasn't worked that well. Real quick, one last comment on our power rankings before we kind of move into our closing for the podcast. You have Cleveland kind of low. Is that did you mean to have them at 20 or was that one where you also were kind of working on adjusting it? Um, I meant to have them low. I don't think they should be at 20, but seeing who I put in front of them, I can understand why I put them that low. Right. I have, I have Chicago, Minnesota, Toronto, LA, Atlanta, New York, and Phoenix ahead of them. Mm. And I think easily all of those teams could be ahead of them depending Mm. on, you know, how things go. But um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Cavs, right? I feel like they get a lot of attention, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't think past their four or five guys, they have a very good team. They're kind of okay. just filled like with garbage time players, in my opinion. Okay. So, so they might be better than the Pacers at the end of the season. I don't know, but yeah, I think. Donovan Mitchell is highly overrated. I think he was even when he was on the Jazz. Mm-hmm. I think Darius Garland really could come into his own throughout this season. I think he's probably their biggest um, highlight. Mm-hmm. I think Jared Allen is really good too. Um, but yeah, other than that, everybody on their team, in my opinion, is kind of just meh. Kevin Love is past his prime. Evan Mobley can score sometimes, can't sometimes. Mm-hmm. Karis LeVert really could come into a star role as well mm-hmm. but he also plays the same position as donovan mitchell and as darius garland right yeah. and so i think between the distribution between the three of those guys i just don't think they line out very well i don't think ricky rubio liked playing with um donovan mitchell in utah they're back together again i don't think that's mm-hmm. a very good dynamic either okay interesting so, so I can hear some of that, and I you know, think there's some fair points in there. It's interesting if you look at it in their uh, lineup that they played tonight. They did start Karis Silver alongside Mitchell and Garland and then Mobley and Allen. I think that's a solid uh, way to run that lineup. Um, part of me wonders if it'd be better for Levert coming off the bench, you know, kind of that six man role we talk about as far as the, you know, the offense coming off the bench. I like the idea of love off the bench, especially as he's getting older. I think that's a great role for him to play. Um, And I think their depth could surprise some people. I think it's, you know, Rubio can work. And I definitely, again, I hear you as far as him and and Donovan, maybe not working well there, but um, I don't know. I think they could do better, but I can also understand that argument of, you know, some concerns with that overall roster, maybe not ultra deep. So, so I think it's a fair point, but okay. For the most part, otherwise I think our power rankings are pretty similar. We've both got kind of magic Rockets, spurs, thunder towards the bottom of our rankings, wizards, um, we both have the jazz somewhere between 24 and 26. So we're both real. We're jazz fans, but we're not going to BSE on this. They're not going to be very good. So um, I just yeah. hope they can win the Palo or not the Palo Banchero, the Victor Wemby, Wemby stakes. I hope that oh, they can take well yeah. enough yeah, to get the first pick and then Wemby will play well. I was, I was skeptical of the Wembenyama kids. Like I didn't know much about him and like I had heard his stat lines weren't exciting. You know, me ultra 
<clears throat> ultra knowledgeable basketball fan. And then I saw the, some of the highlights from that game with the G league ignite. And I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this kid's got a lot of potential. And now it seems like there's going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, there's going to be a whole, you know, race to the bottom with a few teams to try and get him. And Adam Silver, did you see that quote from him where he said, you know, basically some, this wasn't what he said, but it was something to the effect of like, please don't tank. Like <laughs> it's every year, then there's a big player and everyone tanks. Like the league does so poor as far as ratings and things. Cause nobody wants to see two teams try to lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So I think that covers our power rankings and that is uh, most of our uh, kind of outline for today. We've talked game summaries, key news, tonight's games and power rankings. Uh, we do have one last segment, but going into tomorrow, of course, uh, we will plan to talk about a lot of different game summaries, go more in depth with some of the games that happened tonight, as well as previewing uh, the games for Thursday night as well. Uh, hopefully get into a little bit of uh, awards race conversation, uh, MVP, rookie of the year, things like that. Um, to close tonight, we'll for each episode, we'll share a real quick this day in history fact, this day in NBA history. So for today, uh, October 19th, um, I forget which year, I didn't make a note, but this day in history, Oscar Robertson and Jerry West made their debuts on opposing teams uh, in the same game. The Cincinnati Royals beat the Los Angeles Lakers 140 to 123 as the Lakers opened their inaugural season in Los Angeles. Wow, a lot of awesome history to take from that, Um, especially Robertson on the Cincinnati Royals. That's something, how much cooler does Cincinnati Royals sound than Sacramento Kings, right? (laughs) Yes, I agree. I think they should switch that back. (laughs) Absolutely. Basketball was more focused in the Midwest back in those days, back in the early 60s. And so I think we ought to bring ball back to the Midwest Absolutely. Yeah. And even though you don't think of Ohio, you know, Ohio's football country rather than basketball country, but um, yeah, I think that would be way cool. Bring back that history. And of course, well, they did win a championship when they were in Rochester before that, that's a franchise. If you look at that history, Rochester, New York, then to Cincinnati, then to Kansas city slash Omaha. Then it was just Kansas city, then Sacramento. Like they've been, all over the map. And I think it kind of hurt their franchise in the long run to do all of that. But I guess that's a story for another time. So that's our this day in history fact. Uh, sorry, I didn't get the year. I'll try and <clears throat> make a note of that for future episodes. But that closes our uh, inaugural episode of the Crossover Across Time podcast. Again, I've been Karsten, joined by uh, today's co-host, Justin. Uh, Justin, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Well, I'm excited to get to do this on a weekly basis and hopefully we can build up some kind of a following. For sure. We, we hope to do that. Uh, again, Justin will, uh, we plan on having him every Wednesday. Uh, we do have some other co-hosts who will hopefully join us on kind of a similar rotating basis for some other days during the week. Um, if not, I'll do kind of a solo podcast, maybe in a shorter format. Um, but with that, we thank you and we will leave you uh, until next time. So have a good one.